open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 16, and I've been talking about the church, and really, um, my intent uh, is that everything I've been talking to you about really is not different subjects. It's really the same subject. Um, it's about the same thing. It, it, ultimately, it's about Christ, and we've been talking about the church, and last week specifically, we talked about uh, the, the church or the body of Christ, an equipped body. The church is to be an equipped body. And we've spent a couple of weeks talking about uh, spiritual giftings in, in, um, in the body of Christ, uh, the gifts of the Spirit in, in 1 Corinthians 12. And last week we looked at the, the fivefold ministry gifts that, that God gave to the church for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body. And this, this is so important, um, and, and I really want to encourage you guys to, to really track with me and, 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 and really pray that God would give you the, the revelation of what, uh, what we're talking about. And I believe what the Spirit of God really wants His body, the church, uh, to get a hold of. Tonight we're going to talk, uh, we're going to go a little bit deeper. You know, we talked last week about an equipped body, and, and in that talk, um, one of the things that I mentioned uh, was the gospel. You know, the gospel is, is the thing that, that God has given us to, to carry out the work of ministry, and, and we said the work of ministry, we identified that from John six twenty nine, where Jesus said, this is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he sent. Now, if we're not careful, we'll look at that and we'll say, well, the work of God is all about convincing men to believe in Jesus. And yes, we want men to believe in Jesus. That's what, that's what Jesus said. This is the work of God, that men would believe on him whom he sent. But believing in Jesus is so much greater, is so much more than what we traditionally think of in believing in Jesus. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but what I'm saying is we need to get, we need to expand our vision. We need to expand and allow God to, to enlarge our ability to comprehend what it is that he has called us to and who we are in Christ. And so tonight we're going to talk specifically about the gospel. We can't talk about the church and not talk about the gospel. We can't talk about being equipped and not talk about the gospel. We can't talk about the work of ministry or the building up of the body and not talk about the gospel. Because the gospel is at the center of all that. It's the essence of all of that. And so we're going to talk about the gospel, the key to the kingdom tonight. And here in Matthew 16, uh, let's just begin in verse 18. Jesus is speaking here. He says, and I also say to you that you are Peter and and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Verse 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So the scripture says that Christ has given the keys of the kingdom. And so this is what we're going to talk about. Tonight, we're going to talk about keys. Keys represent very important things. 
if you just think about your own keys, maybe if you're like me, I have a set of keys that I carry around, and it's got my house key, it's got the church key, it's got um, you know my car keys and various other keys that um, are important that that I don't want to leave home without. I don't want to go anywhere without because I I need them. And so you don't just give your keys to anybody. I hope you don't at least. Keys represent important things. Keys represent trust. You wouldn't give your key to your house or to your most valuable things to, to someone you didn't trust. If you give your keys to someone, it's a, it's a sign that you trust them. So keys represent trust. If I have a key to a certain place, to a certain thing, that key indicates that I have the authority to go there, to go in there, to open that. So keys represent authority. And in representing that, keys represent power. If I have a key to something, then I not only have the authority, but I, I have the power to, to utilize what that key represents and what it opens and what it, what it, it, it enables me to, to participate in or utilize. So keys represent trust, they represent authority, they represent power. And I think most importantly, keys represent relationship. I mean, just very practically speaking, the people that you trust the most, the people that you empower with certain parts of your life or certain things that you hold near and dear, the things that you entrust them with, the things that you give them authority over, the things that, that you empower them to to do on your behalf are people that you are in relationship with. So keys represent relationship. So when Jesus says, I give you the keys of the kingdom, he is saying something very significant here. He has given the keys of the kingdom to his church. Because remember, this is what he's talking about. In verse 18, he's talking about building his church. And he says, I will give you. He's talking to Peter, but Peter represents the church. Not, not because he was the first pope, he wasn't. But because Peter received the revelation from heaven when nobody else did. And who is the church? Well, the church is people. But what people? The people that have received the revelation from heaven of who Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. And those that have received that revelation, they are the church. And to them, Jesus said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. And there is something that, that says that there is a trust, there is an authority, there is a power that has been entrusted, that has been offered to us, that has been given to us because of the relationship that we have entered into in Christ Jesus. So keys represent these very important things. And Jesus said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Anything that is open to us in the kingdom leads to the same place. Hear me, church. Now, he did say keys. And whatever key you want to think that 
God's given you to use, I'm going to tell you right now, anything you open in the kingdom, it leads to the same place. It leads to the glory of God in Jesus Christ. That's it. God doesn't give us keys for our benefit. God doesn't give us keys for us. God gives us keys for his glory. Because everything we do in the kingdom is not for us. It's for his glory. So everything that's open to us in the kingdom leads to the very same place. It leads to the glory of God in Jesus Christ. And Jesus has given us keys, but all the keys of the kingdom are keyed to one master key. You hearing me? There's one master key, and that key is the gospel. The gospel is the key that unlocks everything. And unless the gospel, unless it's unlocked with the gospel, it shall remain closed. That's it. So what is the gospel? And here's my very simple definition of the gospel. The gospel is the message of God's eternal purpose revealed in Jesus Christ. It's a very simple definition, but it's a very comprehensive definition. Can you comprehend the eternal purpose of God as revealed in Jesus Christ? I can't. How long would it take you to write everything that that deals with the eternal purpose of God as revealed in Jesus Christ. You can't do it. In 33 some odd years on earth, the scripture says that Jesus did so many things that all the libraries, all the books in the world could never contain all that he did. He is the eternal one. And the purpose of God in Christ is an eternal purpose. It's beyond us. But that's what the gospel is. That is what the gospel is. It is the message of God's eternal purpose revealed in his son, Jesus Christ. And here's where we need to expand our thinking when it comes to the gospel. Because I think many Christians have way too small a definition and way too small uh, an understanding of what the gospel is. The gospel is the only message, listen church, it's the only message God has given his body the authority to proclaim. I can just stop right there. God has not given us the authority to proclaim any other message. Now we're talking about the gospel tonight, we're talking about keys, we're talking about authority, power, and God has not given his church the authority to declare any other message, period. And if we declare any other message, we are outside of the authority of God. We are not operating in the power of God. We're only operating in the power of man. And the power of man is not going to get you very far. The gospel is the only message God has given his body the authority to proclaim with the promise of his power unto salvation. The gospel is not only a message that God has given us the authority to proclaim, it is a message that, is, that comes with the promise of power. It's the only message that God has given us 
And it's the only message that comes with the promise of his power to salvation. So the gospel, I want you to think about this, the gospel eternally works in all. I'm going to say that again. I want you to think about this. The gospel eternally. When I say eternally, what does that mean? That means it has no beginning and it has no end. The gospel eternally works. What does that mean? That means the gospel was working before creation. It is working during creation. It will be working long after this created order that we know today is gone. The gospel eternally works. Jesus Christ was ordained before the foundations of the world to be the Lamb of God slain. That is the gospel, church. The gospel was working before time began. The gospel eternally works. Where? In all. In all. See, if we're not careful, we'll think the gospel only works in those who receive it. No, no, no. The gospel works in all. In all what? In all. In all whatever you want to put after that. Just kind of like God said to Moses. When Moses said, well, who should I tell him sent me? He said, you tell him I am. You are what? I am. Because if I try to add anything else, it's going to be incomplete. I am. In other words, he is everything. Past, present, and future. The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the eternal one. He is the great I am. The gospel eternally works in all. In all of what? In all of everything. Past, present, and future. Does the gospel work in those who don't receive it? You better believe it does. You better believe it does. What do you mean by that, Pastor Jeff? Because in that day, they will be without excuse. Whether they receive it or whether they don't receive it, the gospel is working. That's a hard thing for us to comprehend, but I'm telling you what. The gospel is the power of God, the scripture says. What in the heck does that mean? It's the power of God, the salvation. The gospel is the power of God. Paul said, I came to you and I purpose to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the gospel. He said, I didn't come with words of wisdom. I didn't come with man's words. I came in fear and trembling, in power and in demonstration of the Spirit. In other words, I proclaimed the word of God. I'm going to tell you what, the gospel is more powerful than miracles. The gospel is more powerful than, than any manifestation. You know why? Because you won't have any of those things if you don't have the gospel. Amen. See, the church wants to chase after all these things today, and she thinks the gospel is just some message that evangelists preach. No, honey, the gospel is everything. It eternally works in all. If the gospel is not at work, we don't have anything. 
Mark said in his gospel, these signs shall follow those who believe. What are those who believe supposed to be doing? Before he said any of that, he said, preach the gospel to every creature. And as you go preaching, does that mean we're all called to be evangelists and pastors? No. How do you preach the gospel? Every day that you walk, every day that you live, every day that you move and breathe and have your being in him, you should be proclaiming the gospel. We either are or we are not. We are proclaiming a message. Whether we want to believe we are or not, we are proclaiming a message. The question is, what is the message we are proclaiming? If we are proclaiming the gospel, not just with our words, but with our very life, there is the promise of power. Why? Because it is the power of God. The more I am able to, to comprehend this powerful gospel, the more I am able to, to realize and to know that as I walk, as I live and move and have my being in Jesus Christ, I am living and moving and having my being in Him who is, he is, the, he is the power. He is the subject of, the object of. He is the very gospel personified. And so the gospel works eternally in everything and all. The gospel is more than a message to get men saved. If that's all the gospel is to us, we have grossly underestimated what the gospel truly is. The gospel is God's eternal purpose revealed in Christ. The gospel speaks eternally in all things for His glory. Did you realize that? David said, the heavens declare the glory of God. Even in, even in the what we call the zodiac, we want to, you know, us, us believers, we're afraid of words like that. But I'm telling you what, the zodiac, God created it. And you do a study. I, actually, I have a whole study that I did several years ago, a number of years ago, on the, on, the, on the signs of the zodiac. And how those signs, in great detail preach the gospel before there was ever a written word before there was ever an oral tradition God hung the gospel in the sky he hung it in the universe and the universe declares the glory of God what's the glory of God 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 verse 6 God has shown a light in our hearts that we might see, that we might have knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The glory of God is Jesus Christ. Amen. The heavens declare God's glory. The heavens declare Jesus Christ. The heavens declare the gospel. The gospel speaks eternally in all things, in heaven, on earth, in us, in everything, it speaks. It speaks of His justice. It speaks of His mercy. It speaks of His love. It speaks of His grace. It speaks of His judgment. It all speaks of Him. 
It all speaks for his glory. The gospel eternally works in all by the Holy Spirit. So the gospel is the power of God to salvation. So the gospel is the key. It's the key to what? The gospel is the key to the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Only the gospel has the power to bring men to faith in Christ, which is the work of God, which is the work of ministry, which we are all called to. We are all called to the work of ministry. The work of ministry can be a gifted musician. It could be a teacher. It could be an artisan. It could be all kinds of things. It can involve all those things. But the work of ministry is not, it's not those things in and of themselves. God can use your artistic ability. God can use your business ability. God can use your, your ability as a parent. God can use your, your passion for prayer. God can use your passion for teaching. God can use whatever. But that's not the work of ministry. The work of ministry is the work of God. The work of ministry is seeing men come to believe on him whom he sent. And how do we affect that? In various ways. But most importantly, we affect it because of Christ in us, the hope of glory. If I ever lose my ability to preach or to teach, I shouldn't lose my ability for the work of ministry. Because I can, as long as I have breath in this body, I can love. If I can't walk, I can still love. If I can't talk, I can still love. Whatever happens, I can still let Christ in me be known through me. And the Holy Spirit can take that and He can cause men to come to believe on Him whom the Father has sent. That is the work of ministry. The gospel is the key to building up the body of Christ. Only the gospel has the power to affect transformation in the hearts of men for the building up of the body of Christ in love. For the ultimate purpose of what? For the ultimate purpose of glorifying God. The work of ministry is the work of building up the body. Who does that? The Holy Spirit does that. How? As the... As the Spirit works in us and in the body builds itself up, Paul says in Ephesians 4.16, as the body builds itself up in love. But the gospel, the gospel is the power of God to transform a heart. A heart cannot be transformed apart from the gospel. The Holy Spirit does not work through any other message. The Holy Spirit will not work through any other thing other than the gospel. I think, in my humble opinion, this is why I think the church, in, in our culture, we, we wonder why the culture's in a mess. You know why? Because the church is in a mess. The church wants to stand and point fingers at the world and say, look at you guys. But the reality is, the world is what it is. The question I have is, what's happened to the church? Why have we turned to trusting in psychology and, and all kinds of things? Not that God can use all that. 
But I'm telling you what, if it's not rooted in the gospel, we want to write a book and teach men how to follow these easy steps, and, and now your life's going to be better. Now, if it's not rooted in the gospel, there is no power to do anything. Men have been operating out of their sheer willpower and sheer strength since the beginning of time. And, and there have been men that have achieved great accomplishments by their sheer gift and sheer talent that they possess as human beings. But none of that will translate into eternity. Men have amassed great amounts of wealth through their business prowess. But though they gain the whole world, they will lose their soul. The gospel is not given to make us rich. The gospel is given to save us and to transform us so that we in turn can affect that same salvation and that same transformation in others. The gospel is the key to the kingdom of heaven. Only the preaching of the gospel unlocks the way for men to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It is the key that has the power to loose men or to bind men for eternity. We have taken that scripture and we have abused it, church. I have abused it because I thought that scripture was given to me to, for me to do things. For my own good, that scripture is not given to me for my own good. That scripture speaks of the power of the gospel. That scripture speaks of that which has the power to eternally loose or to eternally bind. Now I'm telling you what, what men do with the gospel will either eternally loose them or it will eternally bind them. And whatever is bound on earth is going to be bound in heaven. And whatever is loosed on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The gospel has the power to do that. The gospel is the key to salvation. The gospel is the power of God to salvation, Romans 6, 1.16 says. Salvation is more than the promise of heaven one day. Do you know how many Christians live day in and day out, go to church week in and week out, and, and salvation to them is the promise of heaven one day? We have got to break those stereotypes. We have got to break out of that limited, finite thinking. That is so earthly. That is so temporal. That is so far beneath what God has really purposed in this word called salvation. Salvation is more than the promise of heaven one day. Salvation is eternal life now. Do you know that if you're in Christ, you have eternal life right now? You're not going to get it one day when you die. You have it right now. And not only do you have eternal life right now, but you have the ongoing transforming, transforming work that's taking place in you by the Holy Spirit. That's salvation. Salvation is not what's going to happen to me one day when I die. Salvation is, is the reality I live in right now. I have eternal life now. I have the Holy Spirit living in me right now that is actively transforming me constantly, continuously. I am saved. I am being saved. That's what the scripture says. How is that possible? 
either I am or I'm not. No, you are and you are being. I have eternal life, but I am being transformed. Transformed into what? I am being transformed into the very image of the Son. In the way I think, in the way I live, in the way I talk, in the way I walk, in every way possible, I am being transformed into the image I am told to behold in the mirror. 2 Corinthians 3.18 The gospel is the key to salvation. Not my ticket to heaven, but the key to me being conformed to the image of the Son. The key to me being transformed by the renewing of my mind. The gospel is not a one-time thing. The gospel, remember, eternally works. It's eternally working in me. It's eternally working in you right now. The gospel, the, the very word means literally good news. The gospel is good news. Aren't you glad? That's good news, isn't it? All right, think about this. The, go the good news is not one thing. We think, when we hear the word gospel, we think one thing. I, I know people that, that have expressed, well, I, I want to move beyond that. I want to move beyond that. Well, that tells me you don't have a comprehension of what that is. How can we move beyond the gospel? How can we do that? The gospel is eternal. You can't move beyond it. If you do, then you're in heap big trouble. We better never move beyond the gospel. The, the good news is not one thing. The good news is everything. Everything what? Everything that his divine power has given to us pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. 2 Peter 1.3 that scripture says, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness in the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. He has, by his divine power, past tense, has given us all things. But that's good news. I don't know about you, but is that good news to you? Hey, you better believe it is. That's good news. It's not one thing, it's all things. All things what? All things that pertain to life and godliness. The gospel, the good news, is everything that God has given me that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of Jesus Christ by glory and virtue. So let's say it this way. The gospel is the message of God's eternal purpose revealed in Jesus Christ and this message touches every aspect and every area of the created order, both old and new. What do I mean by both old and new? It touches the old creation. It touches the new creation. Galatians 3 says the gospel was preached to Abraham when God gave him the promise to become the father of many nations. The gospel was proclaimed to Abraham. In the old creation, when Abraham was still under the curse of the law, there was no law there, but he was under the curse of the works of the flesh. Man was under this curse, this law of sin and death. See, long before the law of Moses came, there was a law at work in humankind. 
From the time Adam and Eve fell, it was called the law of sin and death. How do we know? Because Paul talks about it in Romans 7. He said, there is a law at work in my members called the law of sin and death. And even when Abraham was under the law of sin and death, the gospel was preached to him. It was proclaimed to him. Now, Jesus has come. If anyone be in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The cross hangs. It hangs as the centerpiece that divides the old from the new. And when we talk about the cross, what are we talking about? We're talking about the work of the cross, which is the work of his death, the work of his burial, the work of his resurrection. And now in the new creation, I have been born again. I am in Christ. I am a new creation. And now in the new creation, the gospel is the message that touches every area and every aspect of my life. In every area and every aspect of the created order around me, the gospel touches it. The gospel deals with it. The gospel speaks to it. Christ, Christ has the key. Go to, uh, go to Revelation 3.7. There's an interesting little scripture here. There's two places there in Matthew 16, 19, where Jesus said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. And here in Revelation 3, 7, where it talks about Jesus having a key. Let's see, uh, Revelation 3, let's just begin in verse 7. It says, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true. Obviously, it's talking about Jesus. He, it's Jesus talking here. He's dictating this letter to John. He who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. Now, flip over with me to Isaiah 22. Phil, uh, Revelation 3.7 is a reference to Isaiah chapter 22. Isaiah chapter 22 is, is Isaiah's prophecy against the city of Jerusalem. And in the midst, and now this is, this is taking place when Hezekiah is king. Hezekiah is the king, and the Assyrians are getting ready to come against Jerusalem. And this Isaiah 22 is a, is a reference to what's recorded in 2 Kings 18. But let's just begin in verse 20, Isaiah twenty-two twenty. 20. It says, Then it shall be in that day that I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah. I'm sorry. I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah. Now, just a note there, that word Eliakim, that name means God, the God of raising. Or the God who raises. Hilkiah, he was the son of Hilkiah. The word or the name Hilkiah means portion of Yah. 
Yah was an abbreviated name of the sacred name of God, Yahweh. The Jews would not say this name. They were forbidden. If you've ever seen any Jewish writing, when they, in English, write the word God, it's G hyphen D. They don't spell the complete word God out because they believe the name of God is so sacred that, that it's blasphemous to even say the name or to spell the name. Yah was an abbreviated form of Yahweh, but they, they wouldn't say Yahweh because it was the unspeakable name of God. And so, Yah. Well, this, this, this man, Hilkiah, his name means Yahweh is my portion. His son, Eliakim, meant the God who raises. God raises up. And so it says, in that day, I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of, of Hilkiah, and I will clothe him with your robe and strengthen him with your belt. I will commit your responsibility into his hand. And he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. The key of the house of David I will lay on his shoulder. So he shall open and no one shall shut. He shall shut and no one shall open. He goes on to say, I'll fasten him as a peg in a secure place, and he'll become a glorious throne to his father's house. But then it later on says, in that day, that secure peg will be removed, and he will be cut down and fall. I mean, the, the, the typology of Jesus is so plain to see. And here in, in the book of Revelation, Jesus is writing, uh, he's, he's dictating this to John, and he, he says, write this to the, to the church at Philadelphia, he who has the key of David, who shuts and no man opens, and who opens and no man shuts. Christ has a key. And, and, and with this key of David that was given to this man, Eliakim, it says, and by the way, Eliakim was over the house. He was the householder. In other words, he was in charge of the house. He was the man of the house, literally. And what he said about the house went about the house. And the king put him in that position. I mean, that speaks of Jesus. Hebrews talks about Moses being faithful over his house. But Christ isn't just faithful over his house. Christ built his house, whose house we are, it says. Christ is the householder. He has authority in the house. And he has the authority to open so that no man can shut. He has the authority to shut that no man can open. Christ, who God raised up, has the key of David. He is the one who opens and no one shuts. He is the one who shuts and no one opens. Christ has entrusted us with a power and an authority called the gospel. And the gospel has the power to open where no man can shut it. It has the power to shut where no man can open it. I'm telling you what, if you try coming in any other way other than the gospel way, it will not be open to you. Try as you might, you will never get that door open. 
But I'm going to tell you what, when you, when you come in by the gospel, when the gospel is, is preached, when the gospel is known, when the gospel is received, when the message and the good news and the reality of Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus is received, there is a door open to us that no one can shut. No one can shut it. The devil can't shut it. He is powerless. He has already been defeated. No man can shut it. I'm telling you what. God has entrusted to us a key called the gospel that can open and no one can shut. It can close and no one can open. Because when you, listen, when you fail, when you reject the gospel, there's nothing that can open that door. The gospel is the only thing that has the power to open. Christ has given to his saints. He has entrusted us with this power, this authority. It's given to, to those who are in relationship and trust in him. He's given to his saints a key called the gospel, a key that can open, a key that that can open and no man shut, a key that can bind on earth and so bind in heaven, a key that can loose on earth and so loose in heaven. We were bound by sin and death, and the gospel loosed us. And what was loosed on earth was loosed in heaven. What was loosed in heaven was loosed on earth. And no one can bind you again. If you have been loosed by the power of the gospel, Nothing can bind you again. Can't do it. It cannot do it. The only binding that can take place is right here in your mind. And you're only bound in your mind. You're not bound in reality. This is why the scripture is so adamant. This is why Paul writes over and over and over in his epistles. Get your mind renewed. You have been set free. You have been seated in heavenly places. You have been delivered from sin and death. You are no longer of the old creation. You have come into the new creation. You're not in death anymore. You are now in life. You have the very life of Jesus Christ in you. Get your mind renewed to that reality. You have been set free and you cannot be bound again. A door has been opened and it can never be shut on you. Never. The gospel is the power of God to salvation by which we enter into God's eternal promise, God's eternal kingdom, God's eternal power, and God's eternal life in Christ. The gospel is much bigger than what we think it is. The gospel is not just a subject in our arsenal of things that we can preach and teach about. The gospel is, it is the very essence of who we are in Christ. It is the very essence of who Christ is and what Christ has done. Not just at the cross, but I'm telling you what, from eternity to eternity. The gospel is the power of God to salvation. Church, we need to get a revelation by the Spirit of the power that God has given to us in giving us the gospel. And we need, to, we need to destroy the strongholds of our mind with the Word of God and begin to allow God to, to expand our comprehension of what we have in Christ. 
We're looking to things that are so temporal, so fleshly, so emotional, so, so of this earth. And we're calling it power. And we're calling it everything except what it is. I'm telling you what, God has given us the real thing. He has given us the real thing. It's like having the real thing and we're, we're wanting a counterfeit. We're settling for a counterfeit. Because the counterfeit, what does the counterfeit do? The counterfeit makes my flesh feel good. The counterfeit, and that's exactly why the enemy, that's why he, that's the way he designs counterfeits. What does Paul say to Timothy? He said, Timothy, there are going to be guys that are going to teach and preach and do things that are going to pet the flesh of man. And he said, I'm going to tell you right now, Timothy, those people are going to flock to it because it is petting their flesh. But what God has purposed and what God has ordained and what God has commanded us to declare, he said, it ain't going to pet the flesh. It's going to crucify the flesh. And the power that, that has been entrusted to us is greater than anything. It's not based on what we see or what we don't see. See, here's something we need to understand about the gospel. When the gospel is proclaimed, the power of God is proclaimed. When the gospel is proclaimed, the power of God is manifest. You say, well, I don't see any power. It doesn't matter. It's not about what you see or don't see, what you feel or don't feel. Do you have faith in what the scripture says? The gospel is the power of God. So when the gospel of Jesus Christ is presented, do you believe that the power of God has gone forth? Now, that's a legitimate question, church. Do we believe that? Are we looking for some sign that something powerful has happened? Well, I preached the gospel to them, but they didn't respond. So there just was no power in my message. Well, that's your first problem. If it's your message, then there is no power in it. But if it's the gospel... It doesn't matter what you see, what you don't see, what you feel. The scripture says the gospel is the power of God. That's why we need to make sure we're preaching the gospel. Because if we're preaching the gospel, honey, the power of God is going forth. And it's not up to, to me or you or anybody else except God himself and how that power is going to work and manifest and what it's going to do in the life of the people who were on the other end of the, of, of the delivery. But I'm telling you what, let me, let me throw this out at you. We only have five minutes and I'm going to stop. What about all the people? What about the gospel that's gone forth and, and all the people that have not responded? Do you think there's no power? think the power of God didn't work? Oh, it worked. It worked. On that day when they stand before him, you think God's going to say, man, I'm, I'm so sorry. My, you know, when my gospel was presented to you, it just didn't have any power. You know, I'm going to give you a pass because the power wasn't working that day. You think that's going to happen? Honey, the gospel has the power. And, and, and everyone who's not on the receiving end, I mean receiving the, the message and the life and, and what the gospel is intended to do, those that don't receive that, it doesn't mean the gospel wasn't powerful. It was powerful enough to commit them to judgment. 
just like it's powerful enough to deliver us to life. If it's powerful enough to deliver me to life, it's powerful enough to deliver them to judgment. See, we don't like to think about things like that. But I happen to believe that God's gospel is not dependent upon my voice inflection. It's not dependent upon how loud or how soft or how emotional or how, how many heartstrings I tug on. How many tears you cry. Now, listen, the gospel is the gospel. You know how I know? Because I, I, I read what the Apostle Paul said. He said, you know what? I, I didn't come. I didn't come emotional. I didn't come with good speech. I didn't come with a really good delivery. As a matter of fact, you know how I was. I was so weak and so fearful and so trembling that, that you, couldn't have, you could have never mistaken what I said for, for eloquent speech. You could have never said, boy, that Paul, he's a, he's a humdinger. He can sure deliver a sermon. He said, no, you'll never say that about me. But here's the deal. It's not dependent upon me. The gospel is the power. That's why he said, I came to you in, in power and in demonstration of the spirit. Why? Because this gospel is a spirit-breathed and a spirit-inspired gospel. If God chooses to have miracles accompanying, then praise God, hallelujah. But if he chooses not to have miracles accompanying, it is no less powerful. On that day when we stand before him and there are those that say, but God, you know, uh, you let them have miracles with their gospel. And if you'd let me have a miracle with my gospel, I might have believed too. Too bad. You believe it in the gospel or you believe it in the miracle? See, the miracle is the gospel. And the, and the gospel is the miracle. And you got people out here chasing miracles and they want to believe in God because of the miracle. What happens when the miracle's gone? Have you guys ever noticed miracles go away? Anybody ever been the product of a miracle? Everybody participate in a miracle? Anybody seen a miracle go away? Mm -hmm. It's kind of, Yeah, I'll accept our salvation, that's right. And here's the thing, it's kind of like the people with the loaves and the fishes. This is exactly what Jesus said. You guys aren't following me because of who I am. You're following me for the loaves and the fishes. As long as I keep cranking out the loaves and the fishes, you guys will keep following me. But let's see how you like this. If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. Whoo! And the scripture says that day, many turned and followed him no more. And he looked at his disciples in John 6, and he said, okay, what about you guys? Are you guys going to leave me too? They said, heck, Jesus, we don't have any place to go. We burned all of our bridges. We've left everything. Besides that, you have the words of life. Well, at least they understood. At least they had that revelation. They said, we don't have anything to go back to. Everybody thinks we're a bunch of madmen for following you. They wouldn't take us back even if we went. Besides that, you have the words of life. I mean, how is that? How would you like to be Jesus on the other end of that? Not, oh, no, Jesus, we'll never leave you because you have the words of life. Well, we can't leave you, Jesus. We don't have any place to go. Besides that, you do have the words of life. I mean, it's kind of like saying, well, you know, Pastor Jeff, we'd go to church somewhere else, but you're the only church in town, so we're just going to come here. <laughs> That's pretty much what they said to Jesus. <laughs> 
gospel is the power of God. Don't look for power in anything else because there is no power in anything else. If we will be faithful to preach the gospel, God will do everything else that needs to be done. And he, know exa- he knows exactly what needs to be done. He knows exactly what, when, where, and how everything needs to be done to bring about what? His eternal purpose. It's not about my purpose. It's about his purpose. It's not about my gift. It's about his gift. And his gift has a name. His gift is Jesus Christ. It's about him. The gospel. Pray that God would expand your comprehension and your understanding of what the gospel is. Pray that God would begin to reveal to you and you would begin to comprehend the power that he has entrusted to you in giving you this gospel. It is the key to everything. It is. It is the only key that can open anything in the kingdom. And if we desire anything other than what's in the kingdom, then we are lost. We really are. If we put our hope in anything other than what's in the kingdom, we've placed our hope in a false place, in a false thing. Amen? Come on up, worship team. And let's, uh, let's worship the Lord. And then we're going to take communion uh, before we end tonight. And then we're going to pray. Uh, so if you're here and you need healing in your body or there's something going on and, and you want prayer and agreement for that, let's believe God. Amen.